0: the cnbc app global market news in one place customizable sections and personalized alerts stocks tracking interactive charts and market insights all in your hands stay connected stay informed download the cnbc app today welcome to squawk box thank you so much for joining us for what is the final trading day of the year let's get straight into your headlines the dow pushing higher The S&P 500 flirting with a new record, while AI mania seems to drive the NASDAQ 100 on its best run since 1999. Over in Europe, those equity markets follow suit, posting double-digit gains for the year as we count down to the final trading session of 2023. And Maine joins Colorado in barring Donald Trump from the state's primary. Over his role in the US Capitol attack, a move the former president brands the attempted theft of an election. And Red Sea tensions simmer as new industry data shows nearly 50% of container ships regularly using the route near or now taking longer, more costly diversions. Certainly is a good day then to you, of course. Yeah, the final trading session then of the year, right? I'm alone, but nonetheless, the markets will keep us busy, won't they? Well, seeing the uptick then in the overall market picture, the NASDAQ composite not necessarily moving higher, but really still in and around that flatline mark. Of course, across the year, 44%. We'll unpack that a little bit more. But it has been those tech counters that have really moved things along. Those gains still seeing uh, some of them in this low volume market then uh, across the S&P 500. It's trickling towards that record high, right? We are still on record watch. 4,789 or thereabouts is that record number that we're looking towards. Only gained one point yesterday. So will we get there? Before the closeout of the year, or is it going to be a new year fiasco where we see the S&P 500 move towards that record high? Dow Jones Industrial also gaining 50 points in yesterday's trading. Let's get on over to uh, how the U.S. Treasuries then have been moving along. Also here, global bonds have generally just marched a lot higher, particularly after what has been about two years or so of being battered and bruised as, of course, interest rates having moved a whole lot higher over the last two years or so. But that sentiment seems to be moving lower. Even if it is just rhetoric for now... We are expecting, and the market is definitely pointing towards uh, a whole drop-off in interest rates heading into 2024. 10-year Treasury yield, in fact, that's fallen around 120 basis points from its 16-year high. That's above 5%. 5.021, that mark was hit in October. Right now, look at that 10-year Treasury yield. 3.838 is where we currently sit. That's certainly falling off from that 5% mark. On the forex front, well, the dollar looks to be still nursing quite a few losses, actually, throughout this uh, year. In fact, ending 2023 with a a loss, then reversing gains over the last two straight years of gains that we have seen, actually, for the dollar. So you're still seeing that weakness even filtered through into today's trading session. Against the yen, we're at 141 then, Uh, so uh, you're still seeing that mark that we have always looked at around the questions of intervention then from the Japanese government, whether that will come into play. In fact, the dollar overall is languishing at a near five-month low. It hit that uh, mark yesterday was the dollar index. Then it is on track to lose more than 2% for the month, 2.2%, in fact, for the whole year. So clearly giving you a clear sentiment on the weakness of the dollar then as we Change the rhetoric somewhat as the market moves towards what could be lower interest rates next year. Meanwhile, the euro is hovering at a five-month peak as well. Over onto the commodities front, then you're seeing the WTI set at $72 uh, a barrel there. A slight drop off then for Brent crude oil, which was at around $80 a barrel uh, just yesterday. So you are managing to gain around half a uh, half a percent right now, but Brent crude oil overall. Is set to end 2023, about 10% lower. Of course, the first annual decline also in two years. We've seen everything from geopolitical tensions, uh, production cuts, global measures to try and bring down inflation, all of those having an impact then on Brent crude oil. Over in Asia, well, that stock market has also been very interesting. The market here has generally fallen outside of the Shanghai composite, which has gained two-thirds of a percent thus far in this early morning trading picture. Tech companies continuing to see their advance. Xiaomi. The one we've been speaking about then uh, as well has actually released plans to enter that oversaturated electric vehicle market out of China. So they've decided we're going to try and fight Porsche. We're going to try and uh, fight Tesla as well. And we're getting into that market. So the Hong Kong traded share of uh, Xiaomi is actually down 4% or so in this morning's trading picture. Overall, though, we are seeing some slight negative bias across the Asian picture. So where are we headed then for the European picture then as well then today? It's the last trading day of the year, as we keep noting. We look like we could be headed a little bit higher. The S&P, or rather should I say the uh, market across uh, Europe actually, has been looking a little bit downward. Yesterday we saw it inch Uh, Just a little bit lower than yesterday, although healthcare did add around half a percentage point with uh, banks dropping off around half a percent as well. So that market picture is one we'll look at, of course. Market opens here in around 24 minutes. But as we approach the new year, rate cut expectations, as I've been noting, and a potential soft landing for the U.S. economy are both firmly in focus. Bob Pisani filed this report. One of the big
1: investing events of 2023 was the rise of the Magnificent Seven. Leading AI names like Nvidia were up 236%. Meta is up 196%. Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, Apple, all up roughly 50 to 80%. A few points about this AI rally. First, hand wringing that these were the only AI beneficiaries is simply not true. Many other companies benefited as well, and not just other semiconductor companies like AMD. But almost anything involved in the cloud business had big moves as well, like Arista Networks and Cloudflare. If this plays out like other disruptive technologies, you can expect the ecosystem around AI to expand dramatically in 2024. Second, hand-wringing that this would lead to crazy valuations hasn't occurred, at least not among the largest players. So for example, Microsoft's 2024 earnings, it's roughly 28 times forward earnings. That's the multiple. It's only slightly above the five-year average of 26.7. Apple and Meta, NVIDIA and Alphabet, they're all also close to their average valuations. Third, since rates began declining in late October and the soft landing became the dominant paradigm, the influence of these Magnificent Seven has waned. Tech stocks are still strong, but the market's dramatically broadened out since November 1st. Small cap stocks, value stocks, Equal weighted indexes are leading the way, even as tech indexes like the NASDAQ 100 continue to gain. How about these 2024 worries? The market's position very bullish. So aside from geopolitical conflicts, there's three clear worries for 2024. Number one, fewer rate cuts than expected could occur. The market's expecting about six cuts in 2024, but overall economic growth and wage inflation might be more resilient than expected. Second, The economy could go into a recession. All we need is a few disappointments in the numbers on inflation or wage growth or job openings. And the financial press is going to trumpet the recession is finally here. And the public will indeed slow down spending just enough to have everyone agree we're finally in a recession. Finally, earnings and revenue disappointments could show up. Bottoms-up analysts are expecting record earnings in 2024, about 11% higher than 2023. That's a lot. The small number of companies that have already reported fourth quarter earnings that ended November, they have already noted inflationary pressures and lower volumes. And as a result, some big names like Nike and FedEx and General Mills, Wayfair, CarMax, Paychecks, they've all reported revenues much lower than expected. As a result, some analysts have begun lowering forward estimates, the 2024 estimates for a lot of these companies. Keep an eye on revenues. It's a 2024 trend
0: that bears watching. Back to you. Well, some interesting thoughts there for 2024. Let's get to Bruno Festrada, founder of Lakefield Wealth Management. Bruno, thank you so much for the time this morning. Happy holidays to you, and especially for joining us on the last trading day of the year. So you get to have the final say sort of on this market picture. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you have the soft landing uh, sentiment that could be happening. But you're saying that the depth of the U.S. recession will depend on employment and spending power. I thought we were heading for a soft landing.
2: Good morning. Yes. uh, Well, we're at that time of the year again, where we try to look into the crystal ball backwards and forward. I think indeed the the U.S. consumer was the one that really held up the economy and also the U.S. uh, economy by itself. The growth was really pulling the global growth because there was a lot of slowdown coming already from China and from Europe. Um, I think at this stage, the, the employment level is the one to watch. Uh, also the job openings as a bit of a leading indicator, it seems as if jobs are very sticky at this stage because everyone had difficulties finding the right people. Now that they finally have them, they pay them well and they give them spending power, but at the same time, they don't want to lay them off until really they see the the revenues falling down for whatever reason in their industry. And I believe that is really pulling the market and that's also what the Fed is looking at this stage their dual mandate seems to shift a bit away from inflation into the employment and the economic growth and into an election year that's only going to become more important from the political side as
0: well. I mean, ultimately, the unemployment rates won't necessarily happen then going into next year either. So it means that they probably won't be firing. That means the economy perhaps holds up. The problem becomes, though, unfortunately, that It does make inflation a little bit sticky, surely, doesn't it? And that might mean you don't necessarily cut interest rates, especially the six times that the market might be looking for. That would mean a cut every meeting almost.
2: Well, I believe the market is indeed pricing in perfection at this stage. Uh, Six rate cuts, although they might come very quickly once the economy really shows signs of weakness. I don't think the Fed will hesitate, but six might be a bit over the top. Um, Time will tell, they could go into small cuts initially and then uh, make them bigger going forward. Uh, but clearly, the the employment is what what they're watching as well, and uh, inflation could come from an unexpected angle. Um, supply chain issues popping up again now with the issues of uh, shipping at this stage, where we don't really know where that's going to work out. Uh, that's clearly something which is a, a known unknown at this stage, and that could throw some some dirt into the uh,
0: into the gearbox. Mm. Uh, Bruno, let's touch then on to just this bond market as well. That has been a key focal area around 120 basis points then lost since the highs of 5.02 back in October. I mean, that was quite significant for the market. Everybody was saying, stay in the long-dated stuff. Do you still stay in the long-dated stuff going into next year?
2: Well, I believe that if, if there's one headline that I would um, call for next year, it would be, my name is bond. I believe really that bonds are going to be the asset class that are going to continue to outperform. One shouldn't forget, if you look at a 20-year ETF from the top till the bottom, it lost 51%. I mean, that is, is something which hasn't taken the headlines as much as equities going down. I'm not saying that we're going back to negative interest rates, but this shifting of the yield curve, this going back to normalization is clearly offering a lot of potential in an asset class which has suffered tremendously in the past years, which has shifted that money away into cash and money market funds. And if that rotation starts to come back, uh, there's clearly quite some potential left in that. Um, I would go and build up a ladder strategy, lengthening your duration along the way uh, and stay very, very high quality on, uh, on the exposure.
0: Yeah, so what does a balanced portfolio look like next year? If that's, if that's the ultimate aim then that somebody looks for next year, chances of the market having gained the way it has this year Maybe not necessarily so much so because over the last two years, I mean, market has pretty much moved uh, as you kind of would expect. You expect you had a bad year, the one you had a really great year. The mag seven is actually only up eight percent over the two year cycle. uh, If you if one was to look at that, does that continue to next year? Do you see a downward year, an upward year and by how much?
2: Well, I I, I wish I knew, but I believe on a balanced portfolio, the good news is that. If, if the economy starts to slow down, it's definitely going to impact the more cyclical stocks to the downside. At the same time, the Fed is not going to hesitate and is going to bring the rates down, and that could be beneficial for bonds. So I believe a balanced portfolio has the advantage of, of having an alternative either in cash in the short run and then in bonds in the longer term. Uh, I believe all in all, a balanced portfolio with good quality stocks will end the year positive. Um, For sure, I don't think uh, this is going to be suffering. The big question is uh, AI and uh, obesity how much of a weight do you attribute in the portfolio, knowing that they had already a very good run. It's hard to not have the the Magnificent Seven, uh, but they could still take a bit of a beating just like they did in 2023.
0: I see what you tried to do there, Bruno, by talking about the obesity drugs and how overweight you can be on those stocks. So that will be a sector that we definitely focus on as well a little bit later on in the show. But interesting thoughts. Thank you so much for your time. A happy New Year to you, Bruno. Hopefully we get to chat to you Mm -hmm. as well in the New Year. Bruno Festrada, the founder of Lakefield Wealth Management. Now, stateside, Maine's top election official has ruled that Donald Trump is not eligible to run in the state's primary election. That's after his role in the attack on the U.S. Capitol in 2021, citing the 14th Amendment, which bars those who have engaged in insurrection or rebellion from office. Now, the decision from the Democratic official follows a ruling which barred Trump from Colorado's primary ballot which need a decision to be enforced before the Supreme Court rules on the matter. Now, in corporate news, Google has agreed to settle a $5 billion lawsuit that accused the tech giant of secretly tracking the Internet usage of people using the Chrome browser's incognito mode. The preliminary agreement puts a trial date in February on hold. An advertising prices on professional networking site LinkedIn have increased by as much as 30% as big brands boycott Musk's X. Annual ad revenue at the Microsoft-owned group was up over 10% percent year on year as demand grows for access to the site's 1 billion users. And Chinese consumer electronics company Xiaomi has released plans to enter China's crowded EV market, bidding to compete with industry leaders Porsche as well as Tesla. Our sales of the SU7 are set to begin in a few months after three years and almost one and a half billion dollars spent on development. Now, coming up on the show, we're looking back at 2023 in Europe's markets as we gear up for the last trading day of the year. Stay tuned. of course, gearing up for that final European trading session of 2023, and we're looking back at what has been a turbulent year for markets. So let's head on straight to that market picture and see how things are actually faring then uh, overall. You'll see a lot of green actually on that market picture, and that really has been on the back of some of the tech counters, yes, across the U.S. primarily, but really over on this side, it has been the pharmaceuticals which have actually done a lot of the hard yards. Then across the board, the FTSE 100 is perhaps the outlier, which hasn't necessarily gained as much as uh, some of the other counters, which are primarily in double digits. Only the SMI have perhaps following the FTSE 100 uh, a little bit there. On the defensive front, if you had stuck with that, uh, as Zetra Dax, then you would have gotten that, 19 or near 20% uptick then across uh, the German market there. Even though there was a little bit of a stutter across, of course, for the banking sector, we're still managing to see it gain a little bit higher. The automotive sector, however, has been the one to kind of worry about a little bit out of Germany. We have seen uh, vehicle sales there drop off a little bit, manufacturing perhaps not looking too keen. That's only because the market has now moved so much into that EV space, as we've been speaking about Xiaomi as well, Perhaps manufacturing out of Germany is getting a little bit weaker for where, plus the growth picture there not necessarily doing too good. Europe's top performers, and it'll kind of give you a clear sense of what I've been speaking about, right? You do have the likes of Rolls-Royce having gained uh, 200 percent then. Of course, you are still looking at the defense counters there, and that's pretty much what that is. Then, of course, the tech counters, you're looking at Semi, uh, B, Semi then going up 144% thus far, so too ASMI still in that that tech sector. On the retail front, this stock has certainly moved a lot higher as well, 120% on the up then for Marks and Spencer. So that kind of gives you a clear sense of what has happened there. And while in luxury, you still have Pandora going up over 86%. The worst performers there will give you a sense of what I was speaking about again a little bit earlier on. You do have the likes of Anglo-American taking a bit of a beating there uh, of nearly 40% down this year. Delivery hero, uh, not necessarily looking too good in that food delivery space, then going down 45% thus far. And really, that really has been the sentiment across a lot of these then, right? Going down Alstom as well, 46 6.82%, not really too much by way uh, of contracts there coming through then for Alstom this year. And also taking a 40% hit. The banking front. In March this year, there were quite a few question marks around whether the banks would actually be able to uh, get themselves through. The likes of Deutsche Bank were uh, seeing a lot of questions. Then you, of course, had the UBS and Credit Suisse saga, which then, of course, uh, had been the headline story across the year then. But Deutsche Bank sitting pretty much uh, atop of the market picture for this year, especially on the banking front, going up sixteen percent so a good number for it there twenty one percent higher for Commerce Bank, and there you have that u b s story then half a percent fifty uh, percent higher should I say then uh, having gained then on the back of course of what has been that credit Suisse saga which we saw of course uh, play out in this year's market. Unicredit as well taking in some gains, 83% higher than uh, across its front than uh, this year. HSBC also very interestingly going up that 22%. European chip makers, these are the counters that I said. I mean, taking in what has happened across the world when it comes to that chip space, well, you can see it going a little bit higher following on from that NVIDIA uh, and and that space as well. Uh, Having seen the likes of TSMC also move higher this year, more than 100% gained for ASMI out of the Netherlands. The healthcare companies, I mean, let's remember that you did see um, the likes of Novo Nordisk given move a lot higher this year. All of these moving to the top then of the market across Europe. In fact, then uh, Novartis also more than 6% to the good. On the other side of that, you have AstraZeneca year to date going down 5% with Roche down. Now, the rise of obesity, obesity drugs has been one of the biggest equity stories of the year. Karen Gilchrist, filed this report.
3: It's been a good year for stocks overall. All US majors are up for the year with the Nasdaq leading the pack, but US consumer staples are on track for one of the worst years in the past decade. Why? Analysts think one of the reasons could be a brand new class of medication that has lit the touch paper on two stock prices in particular, with implications that reach way beyond food. Novo Nordisk's share price has soared more than 190 percent since May 2020, when it said its diabetes treatment showed superior sustained weight loss. Its Wagovi obesity drug has since shot to fame, rolling out in the US and Europe this year. Speaking to CNBC in November, the CFO put anti-obesity drugs at the heart of Novo's expansion plans.
1: We are in a sweet spot uh, to, uh, to our comment. Uh, growing 33% in, uh, in the pharmaceutical sector is, is, is uh, leading in, uh, on a global scale. And uh, we can only grow by this pace uh, based, based on our innovative products, it, both in diabetes and, and obesity care.
3: Meanwhile, Eli Lilly and its newly approved drugs have boosted competition in the fledgling market. CEO David Ricks told CNBC where they fit into the firm's strategy.
1: It's obviously a very large potential market Um, that has to be proven out with uh, the leaders now. Um, I would just point out that um, you know probably on the one hand, if you're running a major pharmaceutical company, you have to pay attention to this category, and it's you know probably uh, malpractice not to consider investing in obesity given the opportunity ahead. On the other hand, I think uh, Lilly is a leader here, and uh, we we plan to make it hard to be caught. I think we've really gone after this. And of course, competition's good, we're all for that, but Lilly aims to invest to win here.
3: Novo became Europe's largest company in October with a market valuation that outstrips Denmark's total GDP. Converting its profits from dollars pushes up the value of Denmark's krona and has allowed the country's central bank to keep rates low. Looking ahead, the drugs rise could have a big impact. Competition is booming as rival firms all fight for a piece of the pie a pie that Barclays says could be worth $200 billion by the end of the decade. Analysts expect such rapid growth to impact sectors like fitness, food and healthcare, and even ones as diverse as travel and retail. Still, a lot will hinge on the outcome of clinical trials. In 2024, Wagovi and Eli Lilly's Zetbound will be pitted against each other in a trial, with their applications for dementia and addiction also getting put to the test. Novo is also expecting expanded FDA approval in the next six months, as trials showed Wagovi reduced the risk of major cardiac events. That could also have major implications for health insurers too. But supply chain constraints will be the company's most immediate concern. Both firms have said they will ramp up production next year, but there are concerns over whether they can meet that demand. I'm Karen Gilchrist for CNBC Business News.
0: half of the container ship fleet that regularly travels through the Red Sea and Suez canals now avoiding the route because of the threat of attacks by Yemen-based Houthis, that's according to new industry data from Flexport.